I also think there's just the notion around two brains is better than one. So if you're open to collaborating with others, then I think the outcome would be better. In worst case scenario, you end up where you were at the beginning, but at least you've identified and tried to see what else is out there. You're listening to the Freedom Lifestyle podcast series. I'm sharing relatable stories of freedom seekers who ditched conventional office life and courageously asked for more. The energy just completely shifted. My entire being just felt so free. My business was still generating income while I was on the beach. I decided to quit and just stay at home. I really can't work for anyone but me. It's literally just doing whatever the hell you want to do. As for me, I'm your host, Sam, and I've spent the last four years creating a business that allows me to work from anywhere. The freedom lifestyle looks different for everyone. What's your free? Jared, welcome back to the Freedom Lifestyle podcast. Thanks for coming on the show again. Thank you. As always, it's an honor to be here, Sam. And I appreciate you coming on the show on such short notice. I forgot that this was kind of a tradition we have where when I end each season, you come on and we discuss a topic that's been really important to us over that last period of time in terms of how we think about freedom and co-creating. So I forgot about that. And I remember just a couple days ago and I put it on you and you graciously said yes. So thank you so much. Of course. Well, it's always fun to share in a bit of your spotlight sometimes. (laughs) You love it. Today we are talking about co-creation and building your authentic freedom lifestyle with your partner and involving them in this journey. So my first question for you is, has co-creation always come naturally for you? Do you remember using this terminology with past partners prior to me? Yeah, not so much. And I think a lot of it has come with work. Also, some of it has come with age and the reduction of me thinking I know everything and I have such a great view of how life should turn out. And when you're able to start to notice how much things can become better and more than you can imagine when working with somebody else, it becomes more and more easy and seductive to get into this mindset of co-creation, which I think is how we've gotten to the great place that we're at today. Ooh, great word, seductive. So do you think it happens more organically now or still deliberate? Like how often are you intentionally thinking, okay, I am going to actively implement co-creation and think like a team versus your natural instinct of more kind of being on this journey on your own? It's a little bit of both. I think as my mom always says, men can tend to be a little bit more focused on themselves than if you're in a heterosexual relationship than the woman. But I've been actively working to take us first approach when making decisions. And you've really been super helpful in that process of slowly, you don't like this word, but training me to think a little bit differently (laughs) about things. So it's a combination of noticing that it's working noticing that it makes us better and stronger and noticing that it's also great from you. So that's where I'm at today. It's a little bit of both. That's so funny that you mentioned your mom, Bev, because in my prep for this call, I remembered her advice. So Jared's mother is a registered psychologist, and she often cites this research to us when we come to her with some of our relationship challenges, specifically around men being a bit more selfish than women and how it's more natural for them to think about themselves and less like a team. And I looked into this research, and it's actually a dopamine-based response that 
when women share and collaborate and act more generously, we actually get this positive reward in our brain. And so that's kind of like what's happening, what she's referring to with that. But that doesn't mean we can just kind of use that as an excuse. It's just something to be mindful of and to not get too discouraged if maybe one person in the relationship, it comes more naturally for them to think like a team and co-create than the other, which I'm saying this, but it's also advice I need to take because Mm. I take it personally, right? It's like, why aren't you thinking about me in this decision? And hello, we're a team. It's not just about what you want to do today. So it's a message for people listening, but also for me. Yeah, and one of the things we've been working on is not necessarily taking the person's first response as the response that they aspire to or want to be. So when we're having conversations, if the first default answer of mine is not really as team-like as we want it to be, giving the partner the opportunity to see that and reverse and change it up and not take it personally and know that it's something that they're working on and Mm. it's not you, it's them. So true. Knee-jerk reactions, being reactive in general. I mean, there's things that we can do to be more mindful and create more space before you actually respond to something. But knowing that someone's knee-jerk reaction isn't necessarily how they actually feel when they can objectively answer something and pause and use their brain and not just their emotional response. So that's a really good point. Okay, so what are we even talking about here? How do you personally define co-creation? What does it mean for you to be co-creating freedom with me as your life partner? Well, I think co-creation inherently means that we're taking aspects of what we as individuals want or think that we want and combining that with something that the other person or whoever we're partnered with wants and co-creating something, building on those two foundations that is even better as an outcome. What's the alternative? What have you seen other people doing who aren't co-creating? The alternative, and I mean, it's not necessarily a a must-do to co-create, but the alternative is many people have very strong views about how they think life should be lived or how they want to do things. And sometimes they are looking for a partner or have found a partner who fits directly into that. And that's also great. So what is different here is taking that foundation of what you think you might want, but being very open to influence and open-minded in terms of how that might turn out. So an example from us is, you know, when we got together, said I wanted to move back to Vancouver. And what we co-created was moving to Squamish, which is a small town around Vancouver, because we combined forces to understand, hey, we prefer living in BC, but what are the actual reasons we prefer living in BC? And that's close to nature, close to outdoor activities, Close Uh, to family. Close to family. Yeah. So we ended up in Squamish, which in my opinion is the epitome of a co-created experience and decision. If you were going to sell somebody who maybe isn't sold on co-creation, isn't living this way based on, you know, our six years of being together, what would you say is the reason to do it and to shift that thinking? In our case is clear preferable outcomes to what have happened if we had gone on our own path. So when we met, I wanted to work in tech in San Francisco, going into the office, working my way up at a bigger company through different roles. And instead, what we've ended up is me being more of entrepreneurial, still working in tech, but at a smaller company, skipping many of these sort of perceived rungs, moving to Squamish instead of moving into a small apartment in Vancouver, working remotely instead of going into an office. Like our life is completely different, in my opinion, completely better because we've been open to influencing each other, but taking some of the foundational values that we have from the beginning. So I think 
we have lived experience of it being better. But I also think there's just the notion around two brains is better than one. So if you're open to collaborating with others, then I think the outcome would be better. And worst case scenario, you end up where you were at the beginning, but at least you've identified and tried to see what else is out there. Two brains are better than one. I really love that. We often call ourselves Jam, Jared and Sam. And sometimes we'll actually just be like, way to go, Jam. And when we're just like having this amazing moment or life experience or just feeling really satisfied in our life in a particular moment, we'll credit the relationship and us coming together and this co-creation process. And I always think back about what I imagined for my future versus what it is now since meeting you and going through this journey together of bringing our two brains together. There's no way I could have ever pictured what my life is like today. And I think that is really the beauty of it for me is uncovering the uncoverable. You don't even know what's possible because you've only to date been thinking about your future in one lens based on your own personal experiences, based on what you've been shown as role models to date or what you thought is possible based on XYZ. And then you meet somebody else who's come from a totally different background, viewpoint, way of life. And together... It's like, bam, you couldn't even imagine this was possible. So that's how I would sell someone on it. But enough about us. Let's get into what we want to pass on today, which is how do you actually implement this? Jared and I are both very practical, action-oriented people. So you're definitely going to learn some steps that you can implement immediately, but then also just some general ways of thinking and shifting your mindset. Because even six years in, we have to catch ourselves getting into old patterns, and to being really intentional about how you actually want your headspace to be. So the two themes that I want to touch on today, which I think are the foundation of sustainable co-creation, is one, being a team. How you think and how you act versus just defaulting to your own individual desires. And then two, focusing on the big picture. So you want to think long term, You want to try not to get caught up in short-term challenges, setbacks, inconveniences. Our lives are very long. They're getting longer and longer. You want to check yourself with that and, you know, really think big when you're having to maybe make a compromise or getting discouraged with something. So those are my two themes. How do those sound to you, Jared? Anything I missed? Those sound wonderful. Great job, (laughs) Sam. Okay. So in co-creating... There's, of course, the macro, which is the big picture, the North Star, where are we heading, what's our 10-year plan, and then, of course, there's the micro. What are the decisions that we're going to make every day that are going to work towards this future that we're now idealizing and we want to experience together? And so one of the activities that we actually have in the LDR activity book, which is the book that Jared and I actually created together, is helping people align on their values and align on some of this big picture thinking. And so one of the ways to really spark that conversation is to figure out, okay, what are my personal values? What are my partner's values? And then together, can we create some relationship values? So if you have the LDR activity book, you can just flip to chapter five, or you can keep listening because we're going to give you this chapter for free and kind of walk you through it. So Jared, I thought you could start by reading the intro of this chapter for us of like why this even matters. How does that sound? Perfect. So this chapter, chapter five is called Valuable Values. And it starts by saying, our values represent our unique individual essence. They are part of who we are and what we stand for. They impact how we spend our time, use our money, manage conflict and choose our relationships. When we're upset, it's often because our values are being challenged. 
Getting clear on your personal values will help you better understand your own behaviors and boundaries. Also, understanding the core values that shape your partner and what's important to them will make it easier for you to empathize and understand their point of view. Values aren't just for individuals. You can develop values together, which helps set the tone for the type of relationship you both want. Lovely. Amazing reading, Jared. So that's the first page of why this matters. And then in the book, we go into some best practices that I'll read, and then we'll actually do the activity together. A couple best practices when you're aligning on your values. One is be real. So do not idealize what you think you should value. The whole point of this discovery process is to be proud of who you are and what you believe in and what you value. And it should be a safe space between you and your partner to share those. So just be honest. And if you have different values, it doesn't mean that's bad. It doesn't have to be a deal breaker. It's about respecting each other's point of view and then taking into consideration what their values are when you're making decisions. And then finally, accept that your values change. This is kind of an area where some people don't agree with this. Some people think that your values are with you for the rest of your life. But the way we see it, if you're going to live this big life and have this growth mindset and be going through this process of lots of change and thinking big and making bold action, you're going to be exposed to a lots of different changes. And over time, we believe that your values can change. And it's about responding to these changes with curiosity, open communication, and not being totally scared when someone starts to change, which again, is easier said than done. So on the next page of this, you see a ton of words. There's probably over 100 here. Words examples could be abundance, fairness, joy, kindness, ambition, stability, success, growth, mindfulness, balance, autonomy. There's a ton of different words here, and you just want to go through them, and you don't overthink it. You just circle every single word that resonates. Just go through. If a word resonates with you, circle it. On the next page, you have five different groupings. And what you want to do is you want to start to group some of these similar words together. So for example, maybe success, wealth, contribution, leadership, abundance. Maybe these are all in one category for me and they all feel similar. So I would put those all in one group and I would try to do this with about five groups and then you look at your groups and you circle which of the word best describes what that value means to you. So for that example I just gave in that group one, maybe the real word that I'm connecting with here is abundance. So when I think about success and I think about wealth and leadership and contribution, it's really about abundance that I want to value. And so that would be the word that you would circle here. And you end up with about five personal values. And then those are your big five values that are important to you right now. So what's the final step? So now you have your personal values. What do you do with your partner next? Well, next comes the co-creation phase and there's multiple parts to that. So the first part is making sure that you are understanding of each other's individual values. And for that, you come together and go over your big five. And ideally, you talk a little bit about why you might have chosen that, as well as maybe tell a story about when that value was especially exemplified or maybe challenged in the past. So you can get on the same page with what each other's individual values are and why. 
Yeah, I think that's a really important note to tell that story about it. We're currently watching Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart, and she talks all about how words really matter and the importance of defining these words and what they mean to you. And I think that values can come with a lot of preconceived notions about what they mean, and it's really up to you to define them for you. I always think of the example of if someone said freedom and then the other person said stability, that could be like a huge red flag to some people. But maybe stability for somebody means stability in this relationship. I want to know that I can count on you. I want to know that you're not going anywhere, that I can feel rooted in this relationship. I want to feel financially fit and safe and stable in my finances and like that's maybe how someone defines stability which is totally fine if the other person defines freedom as not being tied down to a location or to a job or to one culture or one way of life and so I think it's really important that you give those words meaning. Definitely. And once you've done that, keeping, of course, an open mind to each other, and even if things do initially seem quite different, I mean, Sam and I have differing values and different ways of how we approach the world, but that is definitely okay. You come together and you start to talk a little bit about what your shared values could be. So once you've spent some time understanding and really listening to each other and hearing out each other's values and not necessarily trying to project yourself onto what the other person is saying. I think that's really important and also keeping a very open mind and knowing that couples, there's various types of couples. Some have the exact same values, some have very differing values, and there's different ways to do things. And just because you have different values doesn't mean that you're not compatible. In fact, there's many couples who are highly successful, both as individuals and together, who have differing values. So Once you do that, you can do what we call a bonus exercise, but in my opinion, it's the most fun exercise, and that's try to come up with some relationship values and values for you as a couple. And so that can be looking at the ones that you have shared and choosing those, and it can also be having some discussions about where the things could be different in terms of the wording, but maybe trying to find some similarities in terms of the actual meaning behind them and coming up with your big five. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what a couple of our shared values are? Of course. I remember them all. I know. I cheated because we actually put it in our book. But a couple of the things that were shared values for us when we were creating this book were commitment, adventure, and open-mindedness. How do you think we're doing? I think really well. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah, we made this book, I don't know, three or four years ago, so I can't remember off the top of my head, I'm also a male. So, of course, I'm self-centered and only focused on my own values. No, I'm just (laughs) kidding. But those are completely I think we're knocking out of the park so another activity that we would bring couples through which can again what you're really trying to do right now at this phase is just set yourselves up to have a more practical conversation you want to think high level you want to be visionary you want to think big you want to be kind of like excited about the possibility before you start getting specific so another activity that we bring couples through in this activity book is creating your personal and relationship bucket lists. This one's pretty straightforward, right? You want to create that before I die, things I want to do list. And, you know, you individually do that and then you share it with each other. Don't just assume that you know all of the other person's dreams. There could be things that you didn't even know that they had thought about or had wanted to do that never came up in discussion, or maybe you did mention it and they weren't listening for whatever reason or they didn't remember it. So don't just assume 
you know your partner's bucket list. Really do this activity and see what you can uncover that might surprise you. And then create a relationship bucket list. The obvious start would be, hey, do we both have going to Machu Picchu on our bucket list? Do we both have getting a golden retriever and naming it Ellie on our bucket list, right? So those would be the obvious ones. But then you can also talk, okay, as a couple, what are some experiences we want to have, milestones that we want to have together that we both agree with right now? Having a family, going on an Antarctica cruise, having a pet moving to a certain location, having a vacation home, whatever these things are. And this should feel kind of fun and exciting. It could be triggering if somebody says they really want something and maybe that isn't the same for you. Do you have any advice if that happens at this stage, Jared? So the first piece of advice would definitely be to keep an open mind and to come into conversations open to hearing your partner's perspective and being open to influence from the start. And the second thing is that not being scared of or go into panic when there is differences, because co-creation is all about starting from different places and coming together at a middle ground, and that's not always easy. So an example for Sam and I, uh, when we did an exercise like this, was I came into it wanting more likely to have what she calls a family. What I call a family. (laughs) (laughs) Having kids. Like, I don't know. Don't you have a, you can have a family without kids. That's true. That's Uh, true. And she was more likely not wanting that. And, but neither of us said, I I won't have it or I must have it. Both of us were open to influence. And through discussions, we don't know where we're going to end up because we're both open to influence and we don't want it right now. But what we're thinking is maybe adoption because that for us would be co-creating something in the middle that we're both excited about. So don't hold us to that. But that's sort of where (laughs) the conversation for us has been progressing and meandering. But both of us knowing that we're open to hearing each other's sides and making decisions based on what we want as a couple, not what we think we might want or have been told we should want as individuals. Yeah, I'm glad you shared that because that's real about us. This is something that we don't 100% know how we feel about and don't have complete alignment on. And that's okay. And for a lot of people, when we've shared that, they really are concerned. You guys are going to get married without knowing exactly how you stand on that. This is the most important decision. And no time will tell where we end up with that and how it ultimately ends up impacting our relationship but you can move forward with not having it all figured out and not having complete alignment with what is your relationship bucket list or where do you both stand on these big decisions from our point of view well said all right jared what's next how do we do micro how do we actually connect our values with our behaviors our decision making what would you recommend as a next step to ensure that you are acting like a team co-creating using your values and shared desires as your north star that's a great question and i find if you want to make something happen the best way to do it is to set goals and make plans because studies show that setting goals and making plans around them and checking in on them regularly make you many times more likely to actually achieve them. So I think we should start there. And how we usually do goal setting is we have annual goals, then we kind of update them each quarter and then each month. And one of the things that we do there is making sure that at least one of our usually three goals is something to do with the relationship. And that goal should be connected back to the values or some of the bucket list things you want to do. So whenever we set goals each month, 
one of them is related and we talk about them. So after we do our goal setting, we talk about them, we provide feedback on each other's goals and make sure that those, even our goals are co-created because if you're working like a team, the team should be in sync and you should both be on the same page. So that's, I think, tip number one. And if you want to talk about tactically how to goal set, I think we might even have have talked about that on a previous podcast episode. Yeah, that's how we ended the last season is how to create a goal setting weekend with your partner. So I'll link that in the show notes for sure. And I also think it's how do you want to live every day, every week for us? We like to make a lot of the decisions ahead of time and just kind of align on how we're going to spend this week. What's a perfect week look like for us as a couple? What does a perfect day look like for us as a couple? So there's less like discussion happening all the time about, oh, you want to do this now, but I thought we were going to do this now. And oh, I thought we were going to work out together. I thought tonight was date night. For us, it's just so much better to just on a weekly basis, whether it's Sunday, you kind of have your planning out your week together and just check in or maybe you figure out a different day of the week when that looks like for you or maybe you just do it monthly but just have an idea of what's coming up for you guys each week where are the times that you're going to spend time together how are you going to be thoughtful during those moments together and what are some of the things you're going to accomplish this week this month as part of these bigger goals that you have so that you are getting closer and closer to that ideal lifestyle And we don't want you to hear this episode and think, wow, I have to do all of this stuff on a daily basis in order to just co-create with my partner. Absolutely not. I would say we are definitely on the more extreme end of this. And it's something that we spend a lot of time thinking about, talking about, and implementing. But even if you just started with what are our values and what's the overlap and what are some things you want to do together before we die and let's just make some goals for this year – You're already so much further along than many couples that I've seen. And I think that is a good point that I want to make is really find relationship role models and try to find other people in your life, whether you actually know them or through podcasts like this, that you aspire to have a relationship like theirs. Yeah, that's a really great point, actually. One of the things that we've started to do is when we're trying to co-create together things that are maybe outside the norm is really seeking, as Sam said, role models. And podcasts are a great source. So when we're thinking about this adoption thing, what most people will say is jumping to negative conclusions or risks or worries because it's not typical that you would adopt. So So hard to adopt. Like you have to be on the waiting list for two years. My friend never was able to do it. You should just have your own kids. It's easier. Yeah, so we've been uh, seeking out podcasts on that topic. Similarly, if we wanted to be semi-nomadic as parents, we've been seeking out content on how families have been doing that and the success they've had with it and also some of the challenge they've faced to debunk some of the myths that you might hear from people who don't really know. So that's actually something we've really started to do and it's been a cool, fun thing to do, especially if we're spending the day together or going for a walk, listening to some content like that and having a discussion around it can be a lot of fun. Totally. And we don't necessarily want to be your relationship role models. The way we go about doing things isn't for everyone. And so this is kind of a blueprint for you to think about and to get started on. But, you know, don't copy our lives if that's not what you want. And it shouldn't be what you want. The whole point is living authentically and defining your own freedom lifestyle individually and as a couple. And that's the fun part is to starting with a blank canvas and maybe taking sources of inspiration from other people, but really using first Mm -hmm. principles. And definitely the caveats I mentioned about not trying to do all these things or get overwhelmed is super important. 
when trying to make changes, it's really good to start small and see how it feels and progress from there. So I mentioned a lot of things just because I kind of get excited about structured goal setting, et cetera, et cetera. But if I were to talk to my friend about what they should do, I would, as she mentioned, just start with something you've heard here that sounds interesting and a fit and see how that feels and go from there. Totally. Okay. So some expected challenges that when I was thinking about this and co-creating freedom that I've observed from other couples or from ourselves that I wanted to just quickly touch base on as we start to near the end of this so that when they happen to you, you don't panic and freak out and that you realize how normal this is and it's happened to us. A big one is making compromises. That is the reality of co-creation. I think a lot of people struggle with this and some people even think that, hey, in a perfect relationship, we both want the exact same things. Therefore, a little compromise needs to be made, but that has definitely not been the case for us. It has definitely not been the case for other couples we look to. And so knowing that that is the reality A big one we're dealing with right now is one partner having more flexibility than the other. And that's something that we've seen with a lot of couples who are maybe one is starting an entrepreneurship or going into freelance or just got a remote job. One person can have more flexibility than the other. And that's very normal. Jared, what would you say to somebody who's living with those constraints? And kind of having to navigate, well, you know, my partner has to be up at 7 a.m. for morning calls. I want to be able to sleep in or my partner has to work in this time zone because they have a very call-based job and so they can't go to somewhere like Asia or Bali to work from. Or maybe my partner has to go into the office every single day and therefore we can't move or we can't travel. What would you say? Well, I think... The first thing is to work together to think creatively and realistically. So there are certain constraints by which one of the individuals might be working within, at least for a period of time. So I think the important thing is to work together to think, A, is this a constraint that I'm willing to move? And if not, then okay, let's work within the bounds of there to come up with solutions that are more co-created. Or the person might be willing to move it down the line so you can kind of save that conversation for then. An example would be in my job where I typically have early morning calls and I'm not as flexible in terms of when I can get up. Co-creation for us was deciding which days of the week I was putting a block in my calendar to start a bit later because I'm not willing to quit my job, but I am willing to figure out ways to co-create a life that feels a bit more easy. So we're not getting up separately each morning with me kind of sneaking out of the bed. So that's like a very mini example of a small co-creation within set boundaries. Mm -hmm. I think another one that we had to make a lot of compromises on that was a constraint that we worked with was we were long distance for two years. For two years, we did not live in the same location and we're constantly planning reunions and flying back and forth. It was expensive. We were missing out on important parts of each other's lives. And I know at that time for you, it was really important for you to know when this was going to end. And having kind of an end in sight is also really helpful where one person might have a constraint. It's important for the other person to know, well, like, how long are we living with these constraints? Is this 
this forever? Is this a year? Is this two years? And so even when we talk about our constraints right now with the flexibility thing, like that's something I push you on is just, okay, well, can I have an idea of how long this is going to be? And I think that shifts to the like thinking big picture. Now our long distance relationship feels like a blip. We've been together for six years. That was two years. And it was just a thing of the past. But at the time, it just felt like it was forever. And we never thought we were going to get out of it. And I'm so glad that we didn't just give up because we weren't living in the same location for a couple of what will be hopefully decades of years that we spend together. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And also, it's important to look at the positives that sometimes what can seem like a constraint can bring. So when we were in a long distance relationship, we also tried to view some of the positives of it and get the most out of it. So we were able to talk about how we were developing a deeper relationship. We got to focus on some of our own pursuits and interests. We ended up writing a book about it. Similarly, if somebody is in a more constraining job, but maybe they have a steady income, it can be talking about building up some income for the future for when there might be some more flexibility. Or if the person is passionate about their job and enjoying it, maybe they're gaining a lot of energy from that and can give back to the relationship in other ways. So I think looking at some of the positives that it can bring, and if it's not bringing any positives, that's where the co-creation comes in because your partner should be open and willing to stand up for what they believe is best for you as a team and open to pushing the other person in their thinking because lots of times, especially when it comes to careers and things like that, people can get sucked in based on ego or titles or what you know other people are thinking about how great they are in certain positions. So as a team, the other person should be more of an objective sounding board in my opinion. Totally. And when it comes to compromises, Thinking like a team can also be really helpful to shift your headspace because the reality is is you can't live your 100% own freedom lifestyle when you're doing it with your partner. You do have to make some type of compromises here and there. And we, as we've shared, can find ourselves getting caught up on that. But I think one thing we've been trying to intentionally say to ourselves is, what do we get to gain from all of this? And really focusing on how much more we gain from being together versus maybe like the 10, 15%, which isn't exactly what I want to be doing. And I think the time that we really needed to use that was our first big backpacking trip together when we went to South America. This was a trip that Jared had planned even before he met me. This is something you had on your own individual bucket list. You wanted to spend four months, South America, backpacking, and you had this plan before you even met me. And then we met, and then you told me about this, and then you were like, honestly, it would be so much more fun if you came, and you invited me along, but what you hadn't told me was that as part of the stream, you wanted to do the like classic backpacker, roughing it, spend as little money as possible, stay in dorms and hostels. And I was going into it thinking that we were going to have this romantic couples experience and it was going to be a totally different thing. And so can you talk a little bit about that challenge that we had and how we had to shift our thinking then? Yeah, so that was a classic case of focusing on what I was missing as part of the experience instead of focusing on what I'd gained. And I remember there was a point in the middle where I hadn't even realized what was happening. And that is definitely a common issue, as you've mentioned, which can happen when you're co-creating. So what happened was having a conversation where you kind of brought to light 
you know, just focusing on all of these experiences that you think you're missing out on when in reality, if you were to look at the bigger picture, your experience is probably a lot more positive having me around. And when I was able to take a step back and look at it and not just compare myself directly to all of the backpackers, single backpackers that were there living in the dorms, having this so-called like transformational experience, I was able to really see that what we were having was different but a lot better. And I think comparing yourself to others, especially when you're trying to co-create, can be really difficult because when you're co-creating, you're creating your own thing. You're not really copy and pasting. And when you compare yourself, you're usually comparing yourself on one or two things instead of the bigger holistic picture. So it really can detract from the enjoyment of your experience and be really a distraction. Totally. And when we speak to other nomads, one of the most common rated challenges that people say is loneliness. And there's so many single nomads who are traveling around who don't have a partner with them on this. And they consistently rank that as the hardest thing to overcome. There's now dating sites just for nomads. People end their trip early. People try to find another nomad to go on this journey with them. Or they just kind of change their plans and settle down and just try to find someone in their hometown type of thing. So know that that's actually a huge positive if you can find a partner who can you know, be free with you and travel around. Okay, a couple more challenges I want to speak to is one, not having enough time for yourself. And when you're co-creating and you're making a lot of decisions together, all of a sudden you can find yourself in a scenario where you're spending all the day together, all your week together, and you've co-created all of these decisions together, especially if you're traveling. Often you're traveling somewhere where you don't have any friends there, or maybe there's even a safety issue of being alone. And so you can literally do everything together and and that can be a problem in itself because too much of anything can be negative any advice or specific learnings you'd be comfortable sharing on that yeah so we've definitely focused on working on this one over the last while and a lot of it has to do with me being more introverted and you being more extroverted and so we've both taken it upon ourselves to work on a specific aspect to make this easier and better for us because it has come up as a conflict in the past so On my end, what I'm working on is being okay asking for alone time or recharge time if I need it and doing it in a way that is fun and gentle uh, gentle, as opposed to, yeah, in a way that just sounds like I need to escape from you. (laughs) (laughs) A very abrupt huff and puff. And on your end, you're working on not taking it personally because it really isn't about you. There's only so much time you can spend together and especially if one person is more introverted than the other. And this is something that we've heard from many couples. Usually one of the partners in a couple is more introverted than the other. And this is often something that comes up as a challenge. So those are the two things that we're working on to try to resolve this. Totally. Okay, the last challenge, I see a lot of couples who wanting to co-create together and dream big and start designing their own lives together is financial resources and talking about money and really seeing it as shared income. It's quite common at different phases of the relationship for one person to be maybe making more money than the other, maybe having more of a stable income than the other. A lot of freedom seekers are taking a leap with entrepreneurship or freelance or maybe even making a career pivot and deciding I am not happy in this 40 hour a week office job that I have to go to. I don't have a plan yet, so I'm just going to quit for a bit. And that can be a huge source of stress for couples who either 
feel like I can't lean on my partner at this time or can feel that maybe their partner isn't contributing enough at this time. Money is a very sensitive, difficult topic. What would you share on that, Jared? This can definitely be a difficult topic, but I think the two concepts that Sam brought up earlier in the podcast around being a team and thinking long-term really are helpful when addressing this. So let's start with being a team. In a team, it's not like each person is contributing in the exact same way. What you want to do is build on each other to create a dynamic team and you each bring different things to the table and that might switch at different times. So I think the key is when you're thinking about money, that's just one aspect of something you can bring to the relationship. One partner might be having bringing in more money while the other one might be able to have more free time and bring better vibes and organize more stuff for you guys and make dinner or whatever. But it's about each trying to contribute to the relationship and knowing that that isn't a static situation, but can change over time. And the second part, which is heavily related to that is thinking long-term. So when you're in a long-term relationship with somebody, it's not really about how much each of you are bringing in money-wise that year, but it's about thinking about what you're contributing to the relationship as a whole. And I think being open about those topics and being able to communicate openly about those things and making sure you're both comfortable and on the same page and not sort of building up this hidden resentment is really important. So I would think about those two things. And even for us, it's changed over time. When we started dating, I was in a stable job and you were just starting your freelance career. So I was picking up more of the tabs. Then when we went traveling, you were working a bit and I wasn't working at all. So you started picking up a little bit more. And now we just have open communication about certain things we're bringing in. And things are quite fair because we both are making our own individual incomes. And that's great. But if you or me decided to change that up for a little bit, we'd just talk about it and it would be great. And I think the worst thing you can do is, you know, maybe be hard on one of your partners or hard on yourself for not bringing in as much finances. And then being in the future where that the tables have turned, it's like, how would you want the other person to act in this scenario? And really rooting yourself in the reality that your situation could change very quickly in this long career that we now have for ourselves. Something that I've seen some couples do is each contributing a percentage of income, which is an interesting idea. You and I split things 50-50 when it comes to our daily expenses, but then maybe we're different in terms of how we each act generously. You like to maybe pick up the tab on bigger experiences, whether it's like grabbing me a ski pass or buying tickets to music festivals or these like bigger gestures, whereas I like to do the day-to-day little things that add to our lives, whether it be I'm taking us out to dinner or I'm going to pay for this Uber so our life is like slightly more convenient and I like to pay for those little things that you know, make our day-to-day more convenient, you like to do the bigger stuff. So it's all about just talking about it and knowing that you are not alone. It is so common to have finances being a barrier to freedom, but really work together as a team on that. So any final words that you want to share? I think I've said most of what I want to say. It's been really amazing to bask in some of the spotlight here on your podcast and also impart some of the wisdom that we've built up through trial and error. There's been many bumps along the road and challenges we've gone through. So I would just recommend for people to have faith and trust in each other that through communication and effort, positive outcomes will come and to have the confidence to take your own journey, really, and not compare yourself to what's going on around you. 
and try to have fun with it. We're creating our lives here. We're designing our lives here. Anything is possible. And we're really giving you permission to see your life as a blank canvas and to do it together. And I hope this empowers you to create your own vision for the future with your partner and not be limited to what you might be seeing in people's lives around you. Yeah, and you might want to pick up our book if you need some help. (laughs) Yeah, I'll include a link to that in the show notes as well, but it's ldractivities.com. It was originally made for couples in long-distance relationships, but as you can see from just two of the activities that we went through today, you know, they really do apply for any couple who just wants to be conscious, be intentional about your relationship, and really co-create together. So pick one of those up. Thanks so much, Jared. Thank you, Zach.